Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 84 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. What a great week. Hey, listen, I I posted on our Facebook page, and I may have posted some other places. Submit your music. Uh, give us some music. If you're a musician and uh, or you're in a band or whatever you want, you want to blow in an exhaust pipe and call it a French horn, that's your problem, not mine. I wrote a song, and let's kick off this uh, episode with this little ditty that I wrote. And if you can do something like this, please send it in. something like that please do so send it into the show i know we've got some really creative and not even creative people uh, that listen to the show probably you're in a band probably you sit around playing piccolo or the pink piccolo all night what the hell anyway yeah please uh send us something i don't care if it's flute i don't care if you're jethro stinking tall man get on that baby uh flute something out for us um i used a little porta studio with a cheesy drum beat in the background as you could as you could hear and just recorded myself with myself and uh hey i know how it is being a one-man show being all lonely and stuff but if i can do something and it's that crummy you can too so yeah please email it to creative writing podcast at gmail.com all right hey let's get into this show i'm going to talk about some weird stuff we got some net neutrality i want to talk about how does that relate to motorcycles well i'm going to relate it hopefully to the current status of uh, america in general um we got an x games wrap up a podcast roundup and some other great stuff coming up so let's get into the show how about some more crummy music that i made welcome to the creative writing Motorcycle Podcast, the internet's home for motorcycle mediocrity. Your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. My skin met the asphalt, but these new new ways kit my. All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The victims. I mean guests. It's usually such a horribly set up bike. It's a cafe racer with alloy Manx racing tank. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Yeah. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Long hours in the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. Um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. My wife's like... You're 41 and started a race career. Yes, I am guest number 632. As big as motorcycle entry is, very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a Confederate. I thought it was a good book. I, I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to know what happened next, but it was not my typical genre. <laughs> I'm Cammie, um, and I'm, I guess, one of the leaders. <laughs> and I'm Nikki, and I'm one of the leaders. 
part of the thing with hooligan racing is the bikes are so big and the motors are so big that most of the time power is not an issue. Keep your knees in the breeze and the cheddar in your cheese. It's time to get weird with creative riding. Hope that blew your eardrums out, you stinkers, you little stinkies. Hey, happy Friday, everybody. Listen up, peeps. This is what's the deeps. Oh, my God. Can I start that over? Listen up, dudes. Here's the bludes. Uh, I'm no good at it. I'm just going to run with it. All right. First off on this episode, welcome to episode 84. I'd like to give a shout out to all of our guests that you heard there in the intro. Uh, Chris Singsheim, uh, Nitrous Chris from the WIR's top 10 uh, bikes list. He is the current champion of the middle of the of the list. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. He's not really the middle. He's more toward the upper ends. Uh, but then we also heard uh, Josette Herdell from Goodbye Migraine. We heard Michelle Mankiewicz, who is the number one on the WIR's top 10 senior bike list. Thank you very much, Michelle, for being on the show. Uh, we heard from my good friend Sarah, who is a crazy, crazy motorcycle. She has about 25 motorcycles in her garage right now. Um We'll talk to Sarah probably sometime later this year. She's my, my little riding buddy. Uh, we heard from Jason Gulmeyer, who is the founder of the WIR Top 10 uh, Bikes List. If you, can't, if you haven't seen a pattern here, I like the WIR Top 10 List. Go check them out on Facebook. They're a drag racing group in Wisconsin. I don't like what my audio is doing there. Did you hear that too? Mm, sexy. And then we heard from the traveler, uh, Paul. He was in Romania and he has since become a cherished uh, member of the creative writing crew as a, as a uh, legendary honorary field producer. And uh, basically he rode for me with Chris in the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. You also heard on there uh, Scott Jones from Noise Cycles and uh, Chris from... Chris Wiggins from Speed Merchant, who they're both Harley Hooligan racers. You also heard from Mark Dugali, who is an incredibly talented artist, motorcyclist, sculptor, inventor, creator, yada, yada, yada. And you heard a little bit of uh, old Nikki and Cammie, the uh, Fox Valley leaders, and 59 Cafe uh, up in Idaho, um, also in a band with Josette and... Whoa, whoa, hey, what's going on here? Robots are invading my brain, it sounds like. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so um, check them out, johnnyjswing.com or uh, 50, 59 Cafe. If you're up in uh, Oregon, they do the classic bike nights and stuff up there in Idaho. Let me check the USB settings here. Let me check the ones and twos, check the fours and nines. Looks like we got everything under control. All right, let's jump into this episode. Uh, first off, I do want to say Chris Wiggins and um, Scott Jones, they will be, I think both of them, along with the Rusty Butcher crew and all those dudes cruising up, we're going to get into the events that are coming up this weekend later, but they are cruising up to Dirtquake for the fifth round of the uh, Roland Sands Design Super Hooligan National Championship and Dirtquake. If you've ever heard me talk about the Hell on Wheels events that they have here in SoCal, Hell on Wheels puts on events all year long for dirtbag dirtbags that want to get out there and ride and just and just do their own thing. All right, we're going to disable that and 
flip a drive and see if that works. Still getting some crunch. I don't like that. All right. Anyway, let's get into this episode. I told you we were going to talk a little bit about net neutrality. Now, uh, what does that necessarily have to do with motorcycles? I'll get to that in one second. First, let's talk about what net neutrality is. Basically, the definition of net neutrality is the people uh, the, it's a principle that internet service providers should make the internet and like all the content and all the apps and everything, uh, regardless of where it's coming from or whatever, uh, they should make it available without favoring uh, b- certain companies, blocking particular products or websites, so on and so forth. Now, what does it have to do with motorcycles? Well, for you and me specifically, it has to do with the fact that you know, some of the, like for myself and some of the other podcasts, uh, I I was part of a a round table last night and we were discussing this, how making a podcast is basically a labor of love unless you're a huge podcast with lots of crazy reach and you've got, you know, thousands of advertisers trying to get in on your, you know, PC or uh, game, PC or audience so that they can, uh, you know, get new customers. Everything in this world anymore is kind of sad because it's all about money and it's all about profit and it's all about gain and I want to say for anybody who thought that they were voting for a particular person to drain the swamp is uh, just had the wool pulled over their eyes because I don't care what party you are in politics. Everybody is about gain, whether it's monetary, whether it's about uh, personal, even if it's regional. I mean, when you start getting into big uh, politics, it's mostly about money. Uh, The same thing with the organizations, the governmental organizations. A lot of them have to do with money and kickbacks and certain things that they get for passing legislation and doing things to favor other people. For instance, you know, huge tax cuts for people. Uh, You don't think they get lobbied and paid all these crazy contributions and money and get business deals, especially like the president now being a businessman um, on his personal life, you know, and he's uh, the president. There's certain things that people are starting to think, you know, there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories and this isn't going to be a political podcast, but I'm just saying you can kind of see how politics works and the FCC and all that stuff is nothing more than basically another cabinet, another political cabinet set to regulate certain things. The uh, FCC has basically said that they want to kind of roll back net neutrality. And the thing is, is they're getting paid uh probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars by a few people um, asking them to pull back the rules because they've been having the same sort of rules as when telephones were around. And they're saying, well, it's like limiting growth, you know, it's limiting this and that. And then they're saying it's like AT&T, Comcast, Verizon. These are the big ones that I've seen listed. Now, there's probably like a bunch of others, but they're saying, oh, no, you we're not going to raise rates and stuff like that. But we think it's wrong that you're saying we can't uh, because we think that that's like limiting business on one hand. Well, OK, I, I know that we're a capitalist society and that, you know, on one side that it's great for business to get tax cuts. It's great for business to not have to pay all of your employees health care. My company alone 
pays almost 11 million in healthcare just for our employees. And they're always trying to get everybody to be more, more healthier. And, you know, that's a lot of money uh, to pay out when you think of how much it costs to start a motorcycle company. And we think of Buell going out of business and all that stuff. I mean, it's a lot. And it's a lot of, you know, stuff that people could benefit from having stuff rolled back. But then everybody else loses out, right? And um, it's a really hard thing being in this great country that we're in. And the other thing about the whole thing about net neutrality is that for people like me and the, re- the reason for me that it relates to motorcycling is the fact that we see, uh, you know, podcasts popping up left and right. Everybody's maybe even trying to get some sponsorships, make a buck. And how would you feel if like you had to pay extra to get to us, you personally, or your bill kept going up and eventually you just quit subscribing to the internet and you just like had your phone as your phone and you, I, I mean, it's hard to say oh, that well, I would never do that. But the thing is, is that like even big tech companies like Amazon, Google, Netflix, um, Microsoft, I think Firefox, uh, or well, Mozilla, who's part of Firefox, all these big companies like Facebook. I mean, you, you name these huge companies that can afford to pay the uh, fees that the, that the Internet providers would cost or would charge for bigger companies to, to pay. They can afford that. And there's they're even saying, don't do this. You're, you're going to ruin what the Internet was. I mean, somebody has just basically found a way to make a quick buck. Um, charging more for something that they know everybody's going to need. It's amazing to me that toilet paper doesn't cost $50 a roll because everybody uses toilet paper. And for some reason, they found a way to, you know, chop down a bajillion trees a year and make an ass wipe. But, you know, now, but they haven't figured out how to charge for it yet. Phone rates are like, I mean some people's car payments and phone bills are like the same. You know what I'm saying? So like data and like the internet and being connected, it's something new to this generation. And it's definitely something that people are trying to figure out how to like make money on and like bilk the public I is how I feel. And it makes, it makes it sad because little podcasts, little guys that have to pay like for me my own hosting um my website all that great stuff i mean i'm already getting pressured to upgrade to https like secure stuff and i'm not even i don't even collect anybody's data i don't even allow comments on the blog i literally am just there for people to have an additional space to read some funny stuff and get the podcast out so for me and for i mean if you you just name it like it'll it would depend like how much money would people you know have to start spending to get their stuff seen and ma and pa i mean it's basically like the walmartization of the world or something like that you know like where everybody complains that stuff's too expensive so they buy it at walmart and everything's made in china and then they're complaining that there's no jobs in the u.s but like literally everything like i'm looking around my house and even me like probably everything in here except for the stuff i've made was probably made in china if i look on the bottom so it's just kind of one of those like terrible loops that we get in and i just would hate to see like people starting to get having to pay more for services websites having to pay more to get their stuff on and seen and uh you know what i mean stuff like that i i I really believe that like the internet is a level playing field for everybody 
and it's it would be really unfair for for people that can't afford it to have to start paying more and for people like consumers like even you think of it as or i'm thinking of it from like a producer side of the deal but from a consumer side of the deal, how would you like to i mean you'd probably quit listening to the podcast if you had to pay extra money to get like more data available and uh, certain things like that the funny thing is when, when i think of all of this stuff i start thinking about how other countries and how we condemn them all the time for being so backwards and stuff because it, like china india um you know a lot of places like that that have super strict super super strict um a lot of asia i think actually has super strict uh guidelines you can't play certain music you can't you you don't know it but you can't access certain websites like a lot of chinese people to organize like revolutions and marches and stuff like that they have to go like sneak out on the dark web or whatever because just the chinese servers don't show this stuff and america does it too we censor stuff too but we're kind of happy to close our eyes and just say hey you know this we we, uh we're free blah 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 but we don't realize how much stuff they're like piping to us aka like all the facebook click ads all the you know people uh are like some of the most genius people in the world instead of figuring out how to make society better and keep stuff available for the common you and me they're figuring out how to get you to click uh stay on a page for like nine seconds minimum and like how many likes you can get and every you know how to figure out how they can network and market and worm their way into every single thing i mean think about when you go to any store and it says there's like a blue like that never existed before facebook right i mean i'm not bad mouthing facebook they're one of the guys that want to keep the net neutral but i mean everybody's got like a uh, you know, sort of something to gain by either, by undoing this neutrality. And um, one of the things I wanted to say is I think back to people like Hugh Hefner with Playboy magazine and Larry Flint with Hustler magazine and Shel Stil- Silverstein, who was a really good friend of uh, Hugh Hefner's. And the whole reason that they started those magazines wasn't to be lewd and lascivious. And as a matter of fact, Playboy quit publishing nude women in their magazine, I believe, last year. Hugh Hefner started that as a way to say, hey, listen, there we need free speech in this country. And I'm, I think Larry Flint did it too. And don't tell me you read Hustler for the articles. You didn't, but they were in there. And there's some pretty incredible writing in both of those magazines because at the time when they came out they were like for free speech and they were for open ideas and they were for not having to fit like certain guidelines to be able to be published you know what I mean and as a side to that they also added like a little nudity and a little you know playboy was literally like here's how to jet set and just play around all the time and be a playboy right and and uh Shel Silverstein was obviously a well known for a kid's poet and writing a lot of songs that Johnny Cash covered but what you don't know is that he was also like a crazy uh, free speech advocate and he was pretty political same with Larry Flynn all those guys and they kind of got turned into like, oh, that's the guy that shows naked people in their magazine. But what it started out as was free speech. And in a way, I feel like, you know, now that they're like aging out of the aging out of society and they have this certain connotation to them that they're 
pornography. They're not like free speech. You don't see it kind of for what it is. And it's sort of the same thing with net neutrality. It's like, ah, well, that's the internet. That's what we pay for. But then pretty soon you're going to quit seeing stuff online. And uh, the FCC has got more than 10 million comments on net neutrality. Uh, the I don't know how to say his name, but I think it's Ajit Pai. He's the uh, FCC chairman. And the, you know, they're, they're Republican led right now. I think there there's five people and I think three of them are Republicans. So, I mean, all the great stuff, you know, drain the swamp, do this and that, repeal the EPA now, repeal FCC. But what is going to end up happening is that we're going to end up like getting rid of, get rid of everybody, get rid of this and that, get rid of regulation. And then it's going to be like, well, hey, wait a second, like getting rid of regu- regulation is great. And that's one thing. But then making it like easy for people to come in and start making what you see um, based on their uh, money that they have. I mean, it's just like the divide of the rich versus the poor in this country. And this is one more way that they're they're doing it. And so, I don't know, it just made me sad and it made me, uh, I, I never really have gotten into it. And I really didn't want to obviously get political or anything on this show. But I have been seeing it on my end. I've been seeing my server uh, seems to have... Um, some problems recently when I never had them before. Just recently since this FCC uh, ruling is being discussed right now, they just closed uh, the proposal Monday and then the FCC is going to have a rebuttal, I think, that uh, is going to end August 16th. So we'll see what happens next month. But all of a sudden when my website is like all, you know, weirdly going down and like having connectivity problems. My own bandwidth at home, which was never a problem in the past, is now seeming kind of weird. When I was joining the uh, the roundtable, the mod- podcasters roundtable uh, last night, uh, it was just weird that I have this really, really good connectivity all day long. And maybe it was the bandwidth at night. More people are at home and it wasn't, you know, it was getting used up a little bit, but I've never had that problem before. And just within the last few weeks, I've noticed that like my house, everything in my house takes longer to connect. Websites haven't been connecting. Um, you know, like I said, four times now, my own website having, uh, you know, outage problems that was never a problem in the past. So just all this weird stuff uh, that adds up and it really got me thinking that, you know, if you were born before uh, 1995, you probably don't know what the Internet really was because that's when it gained commercial popularity and it went up and it boomed. And then in like 1997, 98, 99, um, there was like all this growth. And then 2000 to 2001, it crashed. And ever since then, there's been super slow growth. Um, and until now, now it's boomed and, and it's almost mandatory to have it. You know what I mean? When I, when businesses first started, they were like, you don't need a website. You don't need a website. And now if you don't have a website, you're like, might as well be living in the dark ages. Right. And it just reminded me also of the, the country in general, because now, um, if you were, if you're like 30, I'm going to say 30 or older, you didn't say when you were a kid, if somebody asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, you never would have said IT or developer or like an engineer, assistant, blah, blah, blah. Because that stuff didn't really exist except for like on a deep level, when people that were like in the computing space, you know what I mean? Um, but now like that's what people want to be. They want to be programmers. They want to be designers, app designers, video game designer, all this crap, right? So it's the same sort of thing that I see in the motorcycle industry where 
we're bag, you know, Harley's opening a, uh, a, what am I trying to say? A factory in Thai, Thai land, <laughs> Taiwan, Thailand. And, um, does that mean that, you know, U.S. jobs are going to get outsourced? You know what I mean? And does that mean that the U.S. is turning from, it has been turning from a mechanical and industrial um, manufacturing society and economy into a service economy? And it's been doing that for like 20 years, ever since really the, the Internet has come out. And it just this whole thing, the whole net neutrality thing got me thinking about, you know, what people want to do, you know, people want to get into podcasts, TV, radio, blah, 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 all this stuff. They, and they all depend on the internet, podcasts, radio, TV, and video, hell events, birthday parties, evites, um, all the social platforms, uh, databases, services, like, uh, you know, even scheduling, uh, service online for your motorcycle to go get taken in or scheduling like a doctor's appointment. Everything is online. And, it's just going to be interesting to see how this net neutrality thing pans out as we go, you know, as society changes. I don't know if it's going to be necessarily something that younger people see as a problem that you get charged more for all this stuff that you don't do, to be honest, like website, you usually just look at them. They don't bring you any satisfaction except for like a chuckle. Like you waste, you waste time on Facebook and that's why people, uh, market that. And same with YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. Like that's why people use that to market is because it's a time sucker. You're literally not doing anything. Your, your brain is, your brain is looking at a picture and like, trolling somebody or talking smack to your buddy but you're literally not doing anything and that's like what we've turned into period as an economy and then we're going to complain about um you know cutting taxes and blah 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 and all this other stuff when we just got so many problems on our hands so that this whole net neutrality thing just had me fired up um uh, it got me thinking about IT and nerd jobs on the ri- rise with less factory work, more factory outsources, um, more domestic cuts, which we'll get into. That directly relates to Harley Davidson story that uh, is surfacing right now. And so I'm going to stop ranting about net neutrality and uh, we'll segue into this Harley Davidson thing. So. mentioned that uh you know harley's opening a plant in taiwan land and they recently have said that they uh you know a lot of people have speculated that they're going to be buying ducati and i said a couple weeks ago or last week that at this exact time last year harley davidson two things happened first they were for sale (laughs) Do you guys remember that KKR was apparently going to buy Harley Davidson twice last year? And as we know, that never happened. But uh, the stock, it was mentioned, um, I think, in July and then again in September or something like that. So right around this time last year, and their stock bumped uh, both times. Also, this time last year, Harley Davidson was going through uh, another battle. If you remember, it was uh, August 18th, so almost exactly one year ago. Uh, they agreed to pay a multi-million dollar fine and then fund some environmental remediation to the tune of three million bucks. The fine was twelve million civil penalty, three million environmental effort uh, to the EPA. 
um, for selling 340,000 super tuners. And basically that also happened. So here's what happened. They, they're amazingly going up for sale. Their stocks bump up and then they deliver this news. We're going to settle, uh, you know, we're going to settle this uh, $15 million uh, settlement to the EPA and we're going to, you know, do the, e- the, do the uh, super tuners, recall them, you know, do make some legal ones, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then that was right around the same time that the, that the, you know, announcement was made that they might be bought and poof, they, they puff up. Well, they just released their second quarter sales. And guess what? They're they're speculated to have been buying Ducati. And I told you I wasn't going to talk about it because I think it's nonsense. And it is nonsense, to be honest. And so why have they been talking about this like for the last like month, right? And everybody's talking about it and everyone wanted to have a field day with it. Like every damn thing. I couldn't get away from it. Um, they just came out with their Q2 2017. Their sales tanked 9.3%, over 9%. And they're going to be making, uh, Matt Levitich says that they're going to probably uh, be making some reduction in the workforce. They just did that in December as well. And if you remember, last year was a terrible year for them because they made uh, dealers, they, the, their sales numbers were phenomenal. But because they count bikes sold when they leave the factory and they're pushing out all this crap to dealers. And for the first time ever, Harley Davidson did discounts. They never do discounts. Now, why did they do discounts? Because the factory made the dealerships take them so that they could be, uh, you know, show that spreadsheet balance that, hey, this number is sold. Now, were they really sold to actual people? No, they were sold to the dealerships. Now the dealerships are hosed and they have to ride out the storm and carry those costs until they sell the uh, the units. And so there's a few things, and I, I think I said like in the end of 2015, because Harley made some cuts then, at the end of 2015, um, there it was big news because Polaris was cutting some too. Polaris cut like, uh, I think like 10 jobs, and Harley was cutting 100 and at that time or 180. And now in December, they cut like another 180 or something like that. And uh, or they cut like 150, I think, in the end of 2015. They cut another 180 in the end of uh, 2016, I believe. They're shutting down their York PA plant. I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Um, and now their Q2 2017 sales have tanked. And uh, they're supposed to be laying off some more. So Harley Davidson, for all the good that uh, they do in, you know, supporting everybody and being sponsors of everything and getting their names out there, they're taking a fall. And it's that here's the thing. They're on top of the world right now and they're not buying Ducati. Why would they buy Ducati? Right. And uh, it's just like Ducati's makes like a hundred million a year and to buy them for 1.6 billion like that is insane. That's like, you know, 15 times the net value of what they actually do a year. And, uh, so they're not going to do it, but they, I'm th- I think they're doing the same thing that they did last year, which is announced like some crazy market news and everybody, you know, speculation is like one of the greatest things about the stock market. If you know anything about the stock market, it's basically like if you just you're I don't know speculation is one of those things. We won't get in. We won't make this an economics uh, podcast either. 
But there are two things that I'm interested in is history and finance, uh, aside from motorcycles. And if you look at those things together, it'll tell you that people are so dumb and people listen to these blurbs and like, you know, get all excited. And I think Harley said that they're, you know, we're working with the Goldman to maybe throw a bid. Well, maybe, you know, that's what I see is exactly what they did with the KKR stuff is maybe KKR is going to, but the speculation, I don't know if KKR ever said they were going to buy him or if Harley just said KKR was buy him. I don't know if Harley ever said we're going to buy Ducati or if they just said, eh, we might bid on bidding on somebody and actually like laying down a proposal to see how much it would cost to buy them. And then actually doing it is two different things. So even sitting down with somebody for Goldman Sachs and hammering out a deal, it's like the most preposterous thing to say this company that is like literally losing in the last three years is going to do something, you know, to the tune of $1.5 billion. Now, they had to pay, like I said, $15 million this time uh, last year uh, for the EPA uh, settlement and Volkswagen only had to pay 10 million more than that. They had to pay, I think 25 million for Dieselgate. And I actually read something today. I couldn't find when the date, when it was from. So who knows when it was from, but it sounds like it was like in the very first mentionings of Ducati going for sale by Audi. Apparently the Audi, uh, CEO said that we are not actually going to sell Ducati. Like we're what we did, what they did is make a list of companies that would be best owners of this asset and this asset and this asset. And of course, Ducati went on to a list of that stuff. You know, they're trying to figure out, they're trying to liquidate really what they don't need. But, um, you know, to buy Ducati for nearly a million or what did they buy? 860 million. So for to buy them for nearly a billion and then, uh, you know, sell them at a profit, you know, there's, they still would make a little money, but they don't bring, I mean, they bought them for 860 million and they stated that Ducati, they were estimated it brings in like a hundred million a year. So they don't release the actual, uh, the actual, um, you know, earnings and stuff for Ducati, but, uh, that's what people have speculated. So even Volkswagen would, it would be kind of like getting rid of a, uh, you know, I don't know, a super small resource. And for Harley, it would be buying a super small resource for a lot when they got a whole bunch of other crap on their plate. So, um, yeah, it's just the, the other thing that you have to realize is like Indian winning all these flat track races. I don't know if it's really selling bikes. I don't know what Indian sales are like. Um, I do know BMW, Ducati has fallen 9.3%. BMW's raised up 9.4%. Uh, so, I mean, you know, other people are coming up. Ducati's coming down. They're probably going to meet somewhere in the middle. You have aging baby boomers. I mean, Ducati, kind of like the Enron. If you know the Enron debacle where you're like literally selling nothing, you know, and making up stuff to sell on the, I go, go learn about Enron. It's the craziest thing ever. And I mean, not the Ducati's or I mean, not that Harley's like Enron, but I'm just saying when you're at the top and you've got all this like stuff and all these numbers that you're juggling, the only place you can go is down. So I, I don't think Ducati or God damn it. I don't think the American Ducati, which is Harley Davidson, I don't think Harley Davidson is going to fall and crash and burn. And I hope not because I really love the hooligan class and I love all the super hooligan stuff and all these guys love Harley. So that's, you know, there's loyal people. Um, 
Now, are they buying brand new $30,000 baggers and racing them? No. And honestly, that's the market that Harley Davidson is trying to capitalize on. And that's the market that's kind of going away. And so they really need to figure out all this crap. This 50 bikes in five years and 100, and 100 bikes in 10 years. And let's just say, what, like 200 bikes in 20 years? I mean, if they just want to keep multiplying it by tens, they can. I think what that's going to be is them saying, listen, we're, these last three years have been pretty hard. What we need to do is reevaluate our core market, market, do what BMW did, and quit making bajillion. Um, why do you think BMW sales numbers are up? 9.4% is because BMW quit making 45 bajillion bikes. And what they started to do right after the great recession was everybody did this. They pulled back obviously on even Harley did this. They pulled back on certain products, find out what's uh, not a seller and kill it. Like all the rockers obviously went away. A lot of the, um, you know, the V rods went down to only two. Uh, they used to have like four or five at one time. Uh, you know, they start killing off the CVOs. They're always around, but they're super limited numbers. Um, you know, Suzuki quit importing to America for like one whole year. Uh, Buell closed, obviously. Um, Victory has closed. And I don't think that, I don't know if that's part of the recession or if that's just the fact that they never got the start that they needed. Um, you know, and they wanted to focus on Indian coming back. But, uh, you know, even Kawasaki, a lot of people did this. A lot of people reevaluated what was selling and what uh, markets are out there to capitalize on. And I think that's what Harley's 50 bikes in five years, 100 bikes in 10 years is going to be doing. I think what they're, they're reevaluating the market, they're going to start maybe limiting the production of the bigger bikes based on sales, at least is what they should be doing. They should be saying, how many did we sell? Maybe let's quit making uh, 40 bajillion of these and only make, you know, based on sales, make, you know, this many bikes and hope that there's not like a crazy spike in demand all of a sudden. But also look at what's you know, I know Dinah's sell to younger guys, the soft tail, soft tail. I see a ton of soft tails out there and this is younger guys. And, um, and also from, uh, experience talking to my coworkers and from talking to some of the guys last uh, night in the motorcycle podcasters challenge Roundtable. um, it is apparent that some guys are leaving the sport bike world behind as they're done doing 840 miles an hour everywhere they go hunched over. And so I think there is still a market for people that want an upright position or a laid back position. There still is this great American pride. And I'm really proud of what Harley does as far as like motorcycles and union jobs and, you know, keeping company, you know, people working here, but there's also, uh, Yamaha has factories here. Kawasaki has factories here. Um, I, Royal Enfield doesn't have a factory here, but Royal Enfield's starting to, you know, they were looking at having, um, service and sales here. So, I mean, you can see that there might be, you know, they might do knockdown stuff here. Um, Honda, uh, so there's lots of foreign companies that actually have, you know, and automotive, not just motorcycle, but and automotive um, that have companies here that 
you know, that they create jobs for us too, even though they're a foreign um, manufacturer. So I'm, I'm glad to see that stuff doing what it's doing. And I'm glad to see that Harley is, you know, I don't think they're going to like bite the dust. You know what I mean? They're not going to like fold. <laughs> They've been around for way too long to do that. But I do think they're going to pare back. They're going to have to pare back. And they're on the top. Like, dude, you can't keep building if mountains just kept growing and rising and, and not eroding that we would be into outer space by climbing, you know, you'd have to wear a stinking astronaut suit to climb Mount Everest. So mountains erode and over time, new mountains grow and old mountains fade. You know what I mean? And once you're on the top of the hill, there's only one place to go. And whether that's teetering and losing your balance and stumbling down with everybody else that's trying to climb up, that's just what happens. And so uh, I think that's what's happening right now. And, um, it was just kind of, I was reading, you know, I don't want to, I want, don't want everybody to be all doom and gloom. Cause that's kind of how it feels right now, reading all these news reports and stuff. But, uh, on the other hand, like, you know, it is what it is. And everybody's doing all this crazy speculation about HD and, uh, especially with Ducati and, uh, I'm all fired up about net neutrality and all, and the whole con country going into a downward spiral. And I think part of it is the industrialization, the, the economics, the, I mean, the big picture here, like motorcycling, isn't just getting on two wheels and getting your knees in the breeze. That's what makes me forget about all this crappy stuff. And honestly, like being in it and looking at it, I worry about it because of the big picture stuff, because of the EPA uh, stranglehold on stuff, because of um, people not being accountable and taking advantage of the EPA loosening regulations, because of economic stranglehold, because of people taking advantage of uh, the economic situation. Like it's, it's such a catch 22 and it's hard to get wrapped up in. But when I think about them, you know, when I, especially reading the news recently and listening to everything that's going on in this, in this uh, stupid, crazy world of ours, it makes me, it makes me sad. And it kind of makes me worry about, uh, you know, the next few years, nothing's going to, you know, we're not going to implode. No one's going to quit riding and making motorcycles, but things are going to change. And that includes, um, computer technology getting integrated into vehicles, which is another reason, one more thing why I was concerned about the FCC getting, you know, all, all into the internet and all that stuff. Cause who knows if they get their foot in somewhere, you know, where's the next spot they get it into. And then, you know, CITS, all that great stuff. Anyway, I do want to talk about the good stuff, you know, all the fun stuff with Harley. I did want to be accurate though. I, I looked up, uh, in October of 2015, it was announced that they would lay off 250 people to focus on branding. If you remember, that was their big reason for laying off people in 2015. They were going to use those assets to focus on branding for 2016. They definitely branded, Oh, they definitely branded all of 2016, but then in 2016, they also announced that they were going to have some layoffs, uh, in September 1st is by the article I found, but I remember it being right around the end of the year, they were going to lay off another 200 people by December, uh, of, uh, of that year. And now they are saying again that they're going to have more layoffs this year in 2017. So not a real good year for Harley Davidson employees in general. Uh, one of the good things, I mean, 
Harley Davidson, the biggest growth that they've shown has been in, in 2016 was in Asia. And so, you know, if you go back and listen to our uh, episode about, um, you know, the uh, Reprezai, where Harley Davidson, after World War II, they uh, expanded to Japan. No, before World War II, I think they expanded to Japan and were selling in Japan. One of the, the, the first American, well, no, one of the first American motorcycle manufacturers to export to Japan, not to be bought by someone and taken back over, but to actually export to Japan. And... What that does is it opens up the market. It, it allows you to sell more stuff. Nowadays, in, in today's world, of course, uh, we're going to segue into the beef tariff now. But Harley-Davidson, uh, and of course, talking to Trump uh, earlier this year, um, when the whole TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership thing, was perhaps going to get scuttled. Sorry about that. I had to pause. I had to hair in my mouth. So anyway, yeah, the whole Trans-Pacific Partnership thing uh, was big talk and made big news, um, you know, as far as we were concerned, I guess. And basically what happened was, um, you know, Trump pulled out of that. So Levitich, you know, was in talks with him saying, listen, you know, we got to, we want to get in. We, we were getting, tar- you know, unfair. It's huge. We're getting unfairly charged. Uh, in these countries, you know, even though we put tariffs on all sorts of stuff and embargoes and all this great crap that we do, but it's unfair when we want to go to other countries. So them building a uh, factory in Thailand isn't actually all bad. I mean, I did say that what it does is it's uh, sad for us because, you know, a lot of union jobs getting cut, but it's not necessarily being outsourced. What's happening is to avoid some of the tariffs in the Asian marketplace, uh, specifically Thailand, which is like super a billion. I mean, I guess there's like a bajillion billionaires. That's like the place with the most billionaires right now is uh, Thailand and probably like Dubai or some some crazy places like that. Saudi Arabia, I don't have no idea. But um, so they did really well over there. And that is one place that has a growing middle class plus uh, exorbitant amount of billionaires uh, per capita apparently that love probably a whole bunch of American, you know, pop culture and, and, uh, Harley Davidson's and stuff. So that's where they're seeing a lot of their growth actually is in those markets. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that they're going to Thailand. Cause that, what that means is that, you know, of course the money will be spread hopefully globally, you know, and we can all kind of benefit from more people getting into Harley Davidson's. And if you're a Harley fan, you will have more brothers around the world and sisters to ride with, you know, ride and, and uh, patronize with across the world. You'll be, you'll be welcomed in just that many more places. Um, so speaking of our own uh, tariff issues and how unfair it is that places, places want to impose tariffs on us, we want to sell our crappy hormone-laden beef to other countries that don't want to eat hormone-laden stuff. So, uh, you know, we we're going to drain the swamp, right? But whoa, the uh, Robert Ligenthizer, the uh, I did not say that name right. <laughs> His name is Lightthizer. How did I get that wrong, Ligget? Hey, will you turn off the Liggets when you go to bed? <laughs> I mean, English is such a stupid language. So anyway, Robert Lightthizer, he is 
actually a U.S. trade representative. He was uh, chosen by President Trump uh, for his, uh, he's got a, a long history of trade enforcement and he's a litigator and negotiator, yada, 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 uh, appointed by uh, President Trump to serve as the United States trade representative and ambassador. Uh, he basically said, listen, guys. I am sorry about this, uh, the beef ban, but since Europe won't buy our really crappy hormone injected, uh, beef that we put growth hormone in so that they, uh, you know, get all big and gross and fat and then you eat it and you get all big and gross and fat, uh, they are, we're going to put a, uh, a ban on European bikes cause it's a European union that won't buy our shitty beef, um, from 51 CC to 500 CC. And there you go. And we go, Oh, whew, thank God. I can still get my, uh, let's see my Ural. <laughs> I can still get my hipster sidecar because they are well over uh, 500 CC, right? I don't know. I think Urals are not much. I think I think they're like seven fifties. Here, hang on one sec. I have a Ural uh, <clears throat> brochure right here. I like to take it out and poop on it every once in a while. They're probably they're ripoffs of BMW, so they're probably twelve hundred opposed twins. Let's see what are the specs here on this Ural baby. It's a uh, seventy-eight by seventy-eight. 749 cc. I, I was right. Uh, so yeah, the Urals. Are uh, the tourist is a 750? The retro they all look like they're the same, 750 cc. So we can still get our hipster sidecars. Um, we can get our R1200 GSs because we need those, and uh, you know we can get our K1600s. What else can we get? Like who who makes a bike from Europe? Well, let's see. Oh, we can get our KTM Super Duke. You know all that great stuff. What we can't get. We can't get any KTM dirt bikes. That is a big deal. Uh, if you watch off-road, if you know anything about off-road and endurocross, any of that stuff, all the great Red Bull stuff, uh, KTMs just tear it up. KTM, before they had street bikes, they were a dirt bike company. They've been a dirt bike company forever. Uh, a time and memoriam as far as KTM is concerned. They've been an off-road company. Uh, company and i remember before they had street bikes before i even knew what a road bike was my bosses who had like asas and boltacos and all that great stuff also had ktms and i went to the uh little factory down there in san diego it was like one shop that got them in california and those were the guys i think it was in el cajon and they uh ripping ktms out of the uh, crates there putting them together and i was looking at them going wow these orange bikes look cool None of those. No KTMs. RC390s, forget about it. The BMW G310 and G310S. Now, the G310R uh, has been already pushed back to 2018. I believe they announced it uh, for like 2016 or 17. I mean, they started showing it in late 2016. Didn't come out this year. They had them at IMS last year. Uh, in, in 2016, you know, and they said this spike's going to be coming out. I think they said in spring or something, but they still really haven't. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen them. I know they've been here. I've seen some magazines do shoes with them. I guess you can probably buy them, but a hundred percent tariff on those things. I don't know if they're going to, if that, is that going to kill them? Is that going to kill BMW's only single cylinder sub 650 
uh, motor. And to be honest, I wrote an article last year after IMS when everybody's coming out with 300s. And I thought, what a great thing. You know, it's a worldwide tiered licensing system. Everywhere but America seems to um, be concerned about this market. We are doing our best to ban it because I really can't think. I mean, Yamaha and Honda, sure, but uh, Kawasaki's don't really have anything like a uh, a TW or a, uh, you know, the Honda um, CRF250L or the 250L Rally. Like Kawasaki and Suzuki really don't have, the Suzuki still might have the DR200, but I don't think it ever sold as well as the DR uh, Supermoto and the DR600 and all that stuff. I think they're too, you know, when we're talking 300s, I thought BMW might be the one to like get that class going again. And, um, compete you know with these other guys and so not anymore boom uh off-road dudes sorry husky you know husky who's a berg uh ktm bmw um mako no i'm just kidding um i'm sure there's some i'm forgetting that uh you know that we we basically don't think about here because we you know we only want one manufacturer to uh, to rule America, right? And that's Harley Davidson. And you know what I call it when we only have one manufacturer available for the public? I call that communism, and I hate commies. I'm fired up this Friday. Let's make it fired up Friday. Better than fart Friday. Well, maybe. Maybe they're one and the same. You tell me. Hey, let's talk about the X Games. What is all these background noises? Are you hearing it too? I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Woody Woodpecker up in here. So anyway, X Games wrap up. If you uh, checked out our friends, uh, if you checked out the X Games, I put a live, uh, I, I linked to the live um, broadcast put on uh, by the uh, ESPN on the Facebook Live, uh, sponsored by Harley Davidson. Thank you, Harley Davidson, for sponsoring that. And thank you, X Games, for making a track at the Mall of America. All right, let's talk about the track. Dude, okay, first off, that was pretty rad that they streamed the hooligan class. Uh, I like the commentary. Um, We got to see, you know, all the SoCal boys um, from Speed Merchant, Suicide Machine Company, uh, Noise Cycles, Rusty Butcher. Am I forgetting anybody here from else from SoCal? That's all the ones I can remember. That's the guys I was rooting for. Um, Out of... 40, I think there, there was four heats of 10, I'm pretty sure. So there was 40 riders. And uh, the guy that was on our show the day before came in in the top 10. So I am super stoked. Chris Wiggins, congrats on, uh, I think he finished eighth spot. They had a restart, which sucked because uh, he was doing pretty good. And I uh, started going backwards there after the restart. But um, yeah, he was, he was holding it, holding it up in like second, I think second and third, uh, until the laps wore on. And I could tell, dude, that track was like a dang <laughs> motocross track. The bikes were bouncing and hopping and going berserk. And in turn four, there was like a hole or a bump that almost tossed some people a few times. Um, so yeah, 
uh, it was super, super fun, super cool watching that. And you can go back to our uh, page and keep watching it if you want there. JJ Flaherty is the dude uh, who took it. He's from Walk. Waukesha, Wisconsin, and listening to the guys, the uh, commentators, it sounded like uh, one of them sounded like the guy that does it normally. Is it still Scott Dubler that does it for Fans Choice? It kind of sounded like him. I think Cameron Steele, he said, was with him, who is a off-road, uh, you know, like Baja and, and uh, off-road guy. So they were they were doing the commentary on it, and uh, it was pretty cool. And the ESPN, um, you know, Harley Davidson Pro Flat Track uh, was just as exciting. And that damn turn four bump was there as well. And basically that wrapped up with uh, Halbert Mies and Baker and Jeffrey Carver Jr. I got to I got to mention him. He has been like I said in the past few shows, he's been uh, showing there right at the top. He's been, you know, top five guy. He podiumed a couple weeks back just a great racer and a good dude you heard chris wiggins talking about him in our last episode how he's totally into the hooligan thing and uh sounds like a really fun cool guy he was in second spot and basically uh they finished Talbert in first on a Harley Davidson xr750 by the way uh meese and, and baker coming in uh, third and fourth and Halbert dude commanding commanding lead Jeffrey Carver Jr. right behind him and the announcers actually said that he came in second but they weren't looking at the transponder stuff on top of the screen uh, because they would have noticed that Meese slid in there a second and Meese acknowledged Carver saying you know I was his third place bike I was struggling for bronze there because Carver you know there was a huge gap between Halbert and Carver from Carver to Meese was a huge gap and Meese to Baker, uh, was pretty big too. If I remember correctly, they were just, they were separated, but, uh, shoot, Halbert just had this commanding, commanding, like almost a full straightaway, like almost a half a lap lead on everybody. Um, and then Carver on the very last lap gets a stinking flat tire and there's a picture of him, I think, on ESPN's uh, side or somebody somebody got a cool picture of him. His bike's like bouncing up in the air. You know what I mean? Like he is literally jumping that thing, both tires off the ground. And is that dang that turn four bump? And I bet that's where he got the flat. I bet his tire just came off the bead. Uh, and so Meese came in second. Uh, you know, he said if, you know, Carver hadn't got a flat, I would have definitely been fighting for a bronze. But uh, to their... Um, you know, to their fortune, they got uh, me second, Baker third, and Jeffrey Carter Jr. still limped at home in fourth. So that was pretty cool. Sammy Halbert taking the win. He said this wins for my brother Jethro. If you remember, uh, Jethro Sam used to be number seven. Slam and Sammy was number seven. And his brother was number sixty-nine, and his brother uh, passed away in August of um, twenty fifteen. Uh, he, it was an almost one year after his September 27th crash at Calistoga half mile. And if you remember reading the stuff on that, he was in a coma. Uh, I had just started the podcast, I think right after he passed away. Um, so it was super, super sad. He was a really great guy. Really him and Sammy, I think are pretty funny. Actually, they're funny dudes. And, um, it was devastating And Sammy Adopted his number shortly after his crash, and sadly, um, he left behind. I believe he had 
maybe two children. So that's pretty sad. But Sammy said this this wins for him. He finally got some X Games gold. He was really uh, happy and stoked about that. So I was happy to see him win. I, I'm glad that he did that and and uh, got a W for Jethro. And uh, oddly enough, this the next race coming up on the 29th is going to be the uh, Calistoga Half Mile at Calistoga Speedway in Cali. So if you can make, I wonder if the, the Cal- Calistoga, that sounds like a water company, like Culligan. Anyway, yeah, if you uh, got the time, July 29th, head out to Calistoga and check it out. In other news, uh, we're going to have some local racing here. Oh, shit. This whole weekend is going to be insane. Uh, we'll get to that in a sec. Let me let me find my events page here. And uh, here we go. Let's get to that right now. So, uh, Dirtquake. Dirtquake is happening the 21st and 22nd in Washington. And if you, I think it's Castle Rock, Washington. I wrote it down separate piece of paper i think i'm trying to go uh paperless i'm trying to go electronic on this to save save a few trees and save some clutter on my desk every time i'm doing the show but um yeah i think it's in castle rock washington if you go to creativewriting.com creative i should specify creative-writing.com not writing writing.com that's our website and check out uh, the Dirtquake videos from like the first and second one I think I posted because those are the funniest. Those are the UK ones. Um, but yeah, it's just like a giant goon fest. It's basically like the hell on wheels. If you've ever seen the Halloween hill climb or like the scrambles and stuff that they do, it's just a good time. You know what I mean? You can dress up and be goofy. You can hang out and, you know, be be your wacky self. But uh, it's just supposed to be a really good time. And that's basically what Dirtquake's about. I, I know there's pros and I know people take it serious uh, because like that's what hooligans are starting to do is take stuff a little too serious but it's still a party on two wheels and so friday and saturday uh, i believe the racing is happening on saturday if uh, you are going to be at in the area in the la area head a little bit north and west to ventura ventura waste raceway <laughs> i'm elmo fudd uh, ventura raceway there's going to be a ride from lifestyle cycles in orange county kickstands up at 12 30 they're going to head out to uh, Ventura for the AJ Herrera Memorial Race. And uh, basically, it's the third annual. If you want to find out about it, go to um, ivyleague.com. I don't know if it's on there, but it's on their Instagram. Go to Ivy League's Instagram. Uh, they got some stuff up there. You can go to the uh, AJ Herrera 42, I think, is their Instagram or something like that. Or maybe it's just AJ Herrera. Um, so, yeah, go check it out. Ventura Raceway it's really close to the beach from what i've seen so i've never actually been to ventura waste raceway Wasteway. uh but yeah that looks like a lot of fun and they're doing a ride from uh, lifestyle cycles if you want to join the ride and have some fun um i august 5th paris raceway hell on wheels they're doing another hot summer night it's the second round i guess instead of doing like a hot august nights they're doing they're going to do like a little mini series uh this year so august 5th is going to be the second round there i know they've been doing them at night because it's been really warm here so i think they've been starting them at like eight or something like that uh july 22nd and 23rd if you're in london uh go to the house of vans 
which is, uh, you know, Van Shoes. There's going to be a chopper show there called The Assembly Show. And uh, Dice Mag and the Great Frog London are putting it on. Looks pretty cool. Um, I'm not 100% sure uh, who all the other sponsors were, but I know that Dice and the Great Frog are the main ones. So check that out. Um, Motobird Adventures. I just learned about this one. I forget where I heard about Motobird. But if you uh, go to Motobird Adventures, that's at www.motobirdadventures.com. It's motorcycle trips for women. And uh, basically, they're doing the next one is a three day, two night Central Coast tour, July 22nd through 24th. It says any motorcycle is good for the trip. It's going to be six to 700 miles of pavement. They're going to stay at hotels, do wine tasting, do a vineyard tour. Tur, do a tur, you know what I'm saying? And do a vintage motorcycle museum and hot spring tur. So check that out, why don't you? Um, and then after that, they are doing a, a six-day and five-nighter in October. Um, if you want to do that, that's going to be Northern California. That sounds a lot of fun. And that says any motorcycle do will do on this all-pavement trip. They'll be staying at hotels and B&Bs going on another tour. So, yeah, check them out. Moto Bird Adventures. If you're a lady, you want to ride with like-minded ladies, kind of like when the bros hook up and go on their bro rides, um, this is a chance for you to do the same. No dudes allowed. Uh, I believe August 7th, that is going to be what I think is the official opening of Sturgis. I got it on my little calendar, but I don't often look at this thing. Shall I look at it? This is like the worst show I've done yet where I'm like unprepared to look at things. Oh, oh, I did want to mention this uh, weekend, July 22nd, Mark Dugali, We, I mentioned him in the uh, the opening there. He's the uh, motorbiker, tattoo artist, uh, you know, sculptor. He's going to be inking at the Mayan with the ink bus tattoo. Uh, if you go to our page from a couple weeks ago, he started a campaign, I think a GoFundMe, to start ink bus. And ink bus is his little mini short bus that he's turning into a mobile tattoo studio and uh his little video looked pretty awesome um he'll be at the mayan in monrovia california if you've ever seen the mayan it is a straight up like roadside attraction it's on foothill boulevard and i think it was well huntington used to be old route 66 and foothill and huntington connect you know i think uh but it, it's basically when the 66 used to be, you know, uh, what the Huntington is now when it used to be 66. Um, dude, the Mayan is a straight like roadside attraction from the 60s. It is one of those buildings that you're like, whoa, I, I'm surprised it hasn't got a, uh, demolished. But uh, from what I know, the owner that bought it was trying to get some hit places to move in and kind of resurrect it. So there's a there's a bar there called the Mayan that uh, is still been going on. And it's kind of like turning back into a little hipstery dive. Um, I've never been. My wife and I are like scared to go in because <laughs> the building looks like someplace you'd get killed. And I can't believe that it still has, still has a hotel there. But um, but yeah, so <laughs> he'll be inking in front of that bar. Uh, if you want to go down and get a tattoo from one of the, uh, coolest tattoo artists that I know, uh, check that out. Um, that is July 22nd. He'll be there at five from five to 11. Uh, also coming up pretty quick here. I said, I'm going to look at my calendar and I certainly am. Let me, let me get here. 
Um, bear with me for one second while I wait for the internet to catch up with my brain. Who knew my brain was faster than the fastest supercomputer called the internet? I didn't know the internet was a supercomputer, by the way. I'll just conveniently drop this in here. Um, August 4th, our friends at uh, the WIR Top 10 Bikes list, uh, the junior and senior classes will be racing at Kakana International Raceway. That's going down August 4th, if weather permits. August 4th, I was wrong. Not August 7th. August 4th is the beginning of the Sturgis Rally, uh, which is pretty pretty amazing. August 6th, the Buffalo Chip TT presented by Indian Motorcycle. Now, that's going to be the TT, I think, just the singles. Um, August 8th, Harley-Davidson Black Hills Half Mile. Uh, so there's going to be two things happening during Sturgis. That's pretty pretty cool. Plus, there's usually hill climbs, I think, during Sturgis, too. The AMA hill climb where they get all those nitro dirt bikes flying up the hill, basically drag racing up a, a mountain you can barely walk up. So that ought to be pretty fun. And and in the past, they've done Supermoto there, too. So I implore you to check all of that out. Uh, September. September is going to be a pretty interesting month. Um, that I mentioned, you know, August 4th, Sturgis, August 5th, Hell on Wheels. August 6th, the Buffalo Chip TT. August 8th, the Black Hills Half Mile. Let's get into September just a little bit. If you are in, I hope I pronounced this right. If you are in Leonberg, Germany, which is, I think, Lion Town. Is that what Leonberg means? Um, the Sultan's a Sprint, uh, number four for 2017 in Glemisek 101. Uh, I think that's the the road address. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, the Sultans of Speed, that's where the crazy hipsters get, get together and they race their crazy bikes. So that's always a fun thing to watch all those builder, every bike XF bike that you see get to actually get out there and run. Um, September, September is a pretty important month. Um, and September 23rd, if you're on the East Coast, uh, Riders on the Norm has been mentioned in the Grundle Run on September 23rd, Ride, Drink, Party, and Camp. Uh, on the West Coast, much more important than some stinking Grundle Run is the Hooligan Shootout Santa Maria Raceway. That's put on by guest Chris Wiggins. Uh, so check that out. Keep that in your mind as uh, you're planning and, and filling out your calendar for September. And there's going to be some other stuff. I will keep you posted. Um, I'll tell you when to watch the old uh, the AMA stuff. Um, Thursday, July 27th is going to be bike night um, at the Ramona in Ramona. Sorry. Uh, they're doing a cruise. It's race on the res, which I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit later, but, uh, they're going to have live bands, good food, good people, uh, at cheers of Ramona. And it's, uh, put on by race for the race on the res. And, um, yeah, that's going to be a pretty cool thing. That's, uh, the Barona reservation, I believe is going to be having a flat track. We'll get into some of that. But that's basically our wrap-up of the events. If you have anything, uh, email the show. Feel free to post them on our Facebook page. Uh, the email is creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Creative writing, not writing. So keep that in mind as you send out these emails. There's probably some schmuck somewhere with like a uh, how to write a fancy paper blog that's like, why am I getting all these emails? 
So creativewriting.com, all or creative writing podcast, all one long word. If you think you can do something better than that little stinger right there, I made that. If you can do better, please do so and email it to the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, all one long fancy word. Hey, I want to talk about the weather a little bit uh, before I get into the next stuff. I don't even know what the next stuff is. I think I'm coming to the end of my notes here before I get to the podcast roundup. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the stinking humidity that's been going on. Um, First off, one of the uh, listeners has, well, no, I just lost my page. One of the listeners has been emailing me all sorts of stuff about crazy weather. And uh, it looks wacky, but then you start looking at it and you're like, is that really, like, are we doing this humidity to ourselves?" I've always wondered that, even if we don't do it on purpose, like, building a golf course out in the desert. I've always wondered if that made like some weird sort of new ecosystem because now you got like water that you're piping in and green, green grass and evaporation and new humidities and all this stuff. So anyway, it's been super humid and super, uh, like crazy, crazy humid here and, and really hot. And of course the humidity makes it feel hotter with the heat index and all that stuff. And for Southern California, we're just not like accustomed to anything over like 20% humidity, you know what I mean? Like 30%. It's been in like 60, 70. It's been insane. It, literally like the South um, and, the, and the East, East Coast. But um, I was looking through one of my old engine books and I thought, oh, dude, this is perfect. This, uh, you know, I mentioned the uh, Phoenix airport and uh, how the planes weren't taking off and all. Sorry for all the microphone noise. Folks, sorry about that. I had to adjust a cord. So uh, last week, I think I talked about the Phoenix airport and how it was so damn hot during the motorcycle podcasters challenge that I was worried about people riding around in it, correct? And um, so Phoenix, the airplanes weren't taking off. And I was like, they're probably popping tires, blah, blah. Well, I forgot about some, you know, aerodynamics, basically, and humidity and air density and this and that. And Jason Goldmeyer, uh fan of the show, but I'm equally a fan of his. He's the creator of the WIR top 10, uh, senior and junior list, uh, the, the wonderful drag racers up there in Wisconsin that I've mentioned about 18 times on the show already. Um, he, uh, his sister was stuck there, I guess, or a family member was stuck there. And it's because it was so dang hot that the planes, uh, couldn't develop lift because the air become, becomes thinner, the hotter, uh, it gets. And, uh, I just happened to be reading this thing, uh, this, uh, today actually about air pressure and humidity, uh, in one of my books about engine building. And it even says right here, as air temperature rises, the density decreases, and so they literally it just got so damn hot in Arizona that they couldn't uh, generate lift, um, you know. And so I started thinking about what that does to your motor, for instance. And, and you know, everybody, especially if I have a carbureted motor, um, I was reading this thing about air pressure. And it says, you know, when, when to quote the book, uh, when most people hear the topic of air density discussed, they confuse it with air pressure. And in reality, pressure is one of the things that affects the density of gas-like air, but it's not the only thing. Air pressure at the oceanic surface of the planet is like, you know, we all know it's around 14 and a half pounds. Um, 
and they give you the barometer is 29.92 inches of mercury or 101.3 kilopascals if you're a metric. Uh, so at the bottom of the Dead Sea, the pressure is about 15.2, and that's an increase of pressure about 3.8%. So the force trying to move the air into the combustion chamber is greater near the surface of the Dead Sea um, than it is at average mean sea level for the rest of the planet. If none of that makes sense, just take into account like when you go uphill. Um, you know, they're talking about uh, there's like a 1% change in power relates inversely to a 328 foot change in altitude. So they give an example here of climbing Pike's peak. Um, that means that theoretically a 300 horsepower engine will produce 304 horsepower. Um, and then as they go up to the, to the top of Pike's peak where the altitude is 14,110 feet, we know Pike's peak just ran a few weeks ago. Uh, the atmospheric pressure will be a mere 8.6 pounds per square inch. So, so if you take that 328 uh, foot uh, in elevation equaling 1% change uh, in power, then that means that 300 horsepower engine is only going to have 50%, 57% of its original power. So it'll only be a 171 horsepower engine. And so you can see with some of those dudes running those like, you know, 1200 horsepower cars that go up there, they're down to a mere, you know, 598 horsepower <laughs> when they, as they're going up. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so uh, the thing about humidity and air density and all that stuff it was talked about, it was pretty incredible. Um, and it was saying that damp air has less oxygen than dry air. And it also reduces engine power. Um, the power drop is generally negligible, but, uh, the humidity of the damp air in the tropics can really reduce engine power. And I feel like it's been tropical here. I didn't really feel any reduction in power in my car. I mean, in my, in my bike, uh, which is air cooled and carbureted. So, uh, I don't know. It might've just been, um, you know, I don't know. My bike's just awesome. It's only a 250, but, uh, it, it runs way better than like a turbocharged Busa that breaks clutch parts all the time. <laughs> Excuse me. So yeah, anyway, the humid air, uh, is less dense and we all know that the, you know, the more dense the air, the uh, more potential power, right? So humidity means less dense air and less dense air means less potential power. So if you're cruising around and it's super hot and it's super, uh, humid, you might be making a little bit less power than you thought and uh, go pick up a really cool this. What is this one called? This is how to build and modify pistons, rods and crankshafts. One of my favorite books, you know, one of my favorite bedtime story books. I used to love sitting around reading this thing at night. But yeah, just a little insight there on the old uh, humidity and heat versus your motor. If you, if you don't feel like your bike's not popping wheelies for some reason. Um, yeah, that's probably why it's just the humidity. It's not you. The fun stuff you learn about when you actually sit down and read something instead of looking at Facebook. I know it's hard to read and listen to podcasts. Uh, my mind can't do two things like that at once, but it is fun to sit down and read and learn something now and then. Hey, let's get into our podcast roundup and call this one done. What do you say?
hey, that was another piece done by yours truly. If you've got some jingles, I'm telling you, send them in. I will use them. You, it can even be uh, acapella. I don't care. Uh, so this week's podcast roundup, uh, really, really cool. Adventure Rider Radio had one of the, the best ones. They come out on Friday, so by the time you're hearing this, there will be a new one out. But the one from uh, last Friday was Vibrations, and super, super, super interesting. Um, is your motorcycle shaking you apart and ruining your health? Like, talk about delving in. You know, I like to get creative on this show. They delved into, like, these crazy studies that have been done. And uh, Nikolai Tesla would be so proud. If you don't know Nikolai Tesla, uh, you might think he's the guy that invented electricity. <laughs> but nobody's invented electricity. It's a natural phenomenon. People have just learned how to harness it and study it. He actually was into vibrations, too. And apparently, he almost vibrated the apartment building that he lived in because he was all about the earth's harmonics and the earth's vibrations and finding the resonant frequency of things. Like he was so such a genius fucking Edison. He should have just, I don't know, blown him up the goddamn elephant. Um, but anyway, yeah. So they were talking along these same lines of vibrations and thing like that. The vibrations that your heart beats at, uh, you got to listen to it. It's super, super interesting. And sometimes the vibrations that your, your bike vibrates at, if you're in tune with that, it can start affecting you. And I started thinking about it after the motorcycle podcaster challenge, you know, ripping 500 mile, 504 miles or whatever the hell it was on my, the last week, uh, the little vibrations that I started to feel here and there that I've never noticed before, but it was probably because being on the bike for that many miles a day after day, my, I think my hearing started to be weird and my feet uh, of all things. So yeah, go listen to that one. Adventure Rider Radio. Uh, it's about vib- body vibrations. The wheel nerds, uh, they talked to about aim and I know they can their stuff, which means, you know, they probably record three or four at a time. Um, so this last week, even though the motorcycle podcasters challenge is over last week, they were talking about the first week of it starting and getting, getting rid of. So I I think they recorded it a few weeks ago, but anyway, nonetheless, it was pretty cool. They had an interview. I, did they have an interview? I think they did have an interview with Larry Little of AIM. Um, the motorcycle men, they, they did a couple cool things. They celebrated their hundredth episode. Um, which is really f- cool and funny, uh, and a milestone, by the way, that's a uh, pretty good to make it a hundred episodes. If you're a podcast, uh, in episode 101, they talked to Robert Pandya. If you don't know who Robert Pandya is, uh, he's a really cool guy. He's definitely in the motorcycle scene. He used to be the, uh, cat herder is what I like to call him. The guys that walk the spokesman basically for the international motorcycle shows, the, that are now the progressive international motorcycle shows. I think then they were like cycle world and Toyota, whatever, whoever the sponsor is for the, for the year. You, you know what I'm talking about? He used to be the spokesman for them. He re, uh, recently, I think he, think he might've been with triumph for like a, a hot second, but, um, definitely with victory, uh, he's been around, and did a lot of cool stuff with Victory. And, of course, now with Indian, he's been, uh, you know, uh, focusing with Indian and stuff like that. He is a crazy, crazy motorcyclist. I saw him 
at uh, the Catalina Grand Prix a few years ago, which was pretty cool. And then I see him every year at the show. I mean, it's not like we're buddies or I even talk to him or anything, but he's definitely a face that you can recognize. Um, so they had an interview with him. And then this last interview was, or this last episode, they're already on 102. So banging them out. The Two Enthusiasts podcast. What do you think they talked about? You got it, Ducate. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty good. So yeah, here. Uh, oh, here we go. Adventure Rider Radio. This sounds like another interesting one this week. I haven't listened to it yet. Obviously, I just saw it. Has the internet made you cluelessly modify your motorcycle for, I'm guessing it's going to say for the worse. Whoa, 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 I can't play this. I can't play this. Oh, damn, that's copyright protected. I can't do that. Woo, had to shut that off real quick. Uh, just wanted to read what it said. It started playing on me. Yeah, it says, has the internet made you uh, cluelessly modify your motorcycle for the worse? I believe that is what the internet was made for, right? <laughs> Exactamundo, baby. Um, the Riders on the Norm, they had a mostly music show uh, uh, this week and another one should be coming out tomorrow. Uh, wingsman's garage, the wingsman's, uh, they were talking about, uh, riding the dragon, I think on this one. I, I, and they did like, uh, they had a, I, you know, they were talking to some guests that had done this incredibly long journey. Uh, so that was pretty fun. Um, that was a good one, by the way. Loud Pipes, of course, uh, listen to that one. They were bragging about how they were the motorcycle champs <laughs> celebrating the motorcycle podcast's challenge win. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. And what other podcasts, a throttled podcast they have, uh, Larry was back from a crazy, crazy, uh, Long trip adventure, law abiding bikers. I have not listened to in a while, but the last ones I listened to, they um, were talking about the Bassani two into two dual head pipes and the Python true dual head pipes. The one before that was um, personal injury protection insurance. So they had a lot of good things for people that were uh, going into the summer riding season. Um, uh, there's not a lot, a whole bunch of ones that have had stuff out this week. The Doghouse, Two Wheeled Radio. I listened to that one. I was extremely disappointed. They have a very skewed view of uh, motorcycling in general. I feel sometimes, sometimes they get it so right, and sometimes I feel it's just my opinion that they get it so wrong. So uh, I was surprised Motorcycles and Misfits did not have one this week, and it's probably because they got back from AMA and they are still recovering from hangovers and whatever they bought there. So that is the Motorcycle Podcast Roundup. Um, you know what? This is going to be a shorter than normal episode by about 10 minutes. You know it could really fill in 10 minutes. Um, some awesome music by, by you guys. Am I pumping this too hard? Am I like, I'm like begging. Don't send your music. You, I, I wouldn't play your crummy music if you send it to me, but please send it to me. Uh, so yeah, uh, I do want to say, give a shout out to the Fox Valley leaders. Please give them a follow. Give the leaders a follow. If you're a female into biking and you want to get a little better sense of community, check that out and, uh, go support the leaders, especially the Fox Valley ones. Cause I talked to them and I know they're super cool just from experience. Also, I don't know if they have room for new members, but our friends at Cerberus Garage, Dave Hargreaves down there and Jennifer Garner have been... Jennifer Garner? Did I say Jennifer Garner? Woo, dog. She looks like Jennifer Garner, but guess what? Her name is Jennifer Gardner. 
Uh, sorry, Jennifer. Um, she has a group called San Diego Motorcycle Culture, which will keep you in the loop if you're looking for something to do that's, you know, at all in so-so Cal. I mean, they're like literally down by the Mexican border. Um, check that out. So anywhere in San Diego, if you're looking for something motorcycle related and you're down there and you're like, what's to do in San Diego when I got my motorcycle? Boom. She's got you covered. San Diego Motorcycle Culture. And uh, if you got a free minute, dude, swing by Cerberus Moto. It's a co op garage and uh, Dave has just got I mean he used to work at Confederate and uh, he is just uh, full of stories full of information and if you need something he'll probably help you figure it out right smack right smack figured that out right smack didn't we (laughs) if you need to figure out (laughs) something to do in LA right smack uh, go to uh, lamotorcyclist.com go check out their calendar of events I should have mentioned this one uh, because it's only one week away um, July 30th uh, from one to five, the babes on motos, uh, Eastside Moto Babes is going to be at the Peterson and it's an annual fundraiser celebrating female motorcyclists. Um, this year they're going to raise funds for the downtown women's center, which is a women's shelter that, uh, fights against homelessness and abuse. And every woman that rides in on her moto will have her portrait taken and added to the growing archive. And so that's pretty fun. Uh, As always, the SoCal Swap Meet, that happens like the last Sunday of every month. So this week or this month, it will be the 30th of July. Uh, Geez, there's like a a meetup going up Mulholland if you've never been up the Snake, which is like our West Coast Dragon, I guess. There's going to be a meetup on Saturday 10 a.m. meetup for coffee and donuts. Kickstands up at 11. Triumph of L.A. Group ride up to Sawyer's in Silver Lake. Corky's Bike Night, 27th of July. There's going to be a block party at Glendale Harley-Davidson. Glendale Harley-Davidson, by the way, I've been up there, you know, for business a few times. Uh, some take care of business a few times. Get beat over the head with an exhaust pipe. That's, that's how I take care of business. But, um... Yeah, Glendale Harley, very interesting. Uh, They're going to have a block party, and I don't know. This is a little insider info. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I I do know that one of the, well, one of the people that is affiliated with Glendale Harley, from what I understand, I've never seen this is total hearsay, so I guess I can just hearsay it has one of everything made by Harley Davidson back when they made like, I think they made a motorhome or the, and they made a jet ski and they made a service car and they made all sorts of weird stuff in the eighties when AMF owned them. Uh, since AMF was making a whole bunch of stuff, apparently, uh, he has one of every little thing they made. Um, back you know from before the aml he probably has a topper scooter i mean yeah we're talking crazy stuff but anyway it might be on display if you go to the glendale block party that's happening 29th of july don't miss it um so yeah i'm not going to get into the stuff that's going on way into august we won't worry about none of that stuff let's get you uh let's get you out of here um i hope you guys have had a good good uh, experience with the show sorry i rambled on and got a little political in the morning in the morning in the morning I meant in the beginning, but technically the morning, I guess, is the beginning, uh, unless you work the night shift. So, yeah, I hope you had a good time. I, I really got fired up this week about the whole net neutrality thing. And speaking of which, like, uh, just trying to load a stupid computer right now. Like, it's not loading. And it's not just this computer. I have 
multiple computers at my house and they're all jacked up. Um, maybe I need to pay my cable bill. Is that what it is? You guys tell me. But anyway, get out there, ride, uh, go to some events, be a dirtbag, have fun, cut your bike in half and then weld it back together the wrong way so that the handlebars are in the middle where the seat should be and do some fun stuff. Send me some freaking music. Be a dum dumb. We'd like to apologize to anybody's feelings we may have hurt or anybody's corporate image we may have damaged. We'd like to say sorry to AT&T, Comcast, Verizon. Sorry to Facebook, Mozilla, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Netflix, Twitter, the FCC. All the idiot Democrats and Republicans. The whole idiot Congress. The stupid weather. I'd like to say sorry to Harley Davidson, Ducati, Indian Motorcycles. Want to give a big shout out to... Chris Wiggins, all the guys at Speed Merchant, actually, all the team, and everybody that makes it possible for them to do what they do. Everybody at Suicide Machine Co., Rusty Butcher, Noise Cycles, all the SoCal dudes that were able to go to the X Games. Nice showing, guys, in Minneapolis. Kick some ass in Dirtquake. You know what I'm saying? us and you're listening to us somehow you found us if you're on itunes you can also check us out on soundcloud google play and stitcher email the show creative writing podcast at gmail.com check us out on the web creative writing podcast on instagram creative underscore writer on twitter and creative-writing.com, creative-writing.tumblr.com. 